Hello, welcome to Wine Blast. And in this episode, we're going to start with a brain teaser. Oh, I do love a good brain teaser. Mm, okay, so what do Kim Kardashian, Voskehat, and the world's oldest shoe all have in common? Has Kanye West dated all of them? <laughs> Have they all got their own reality TV shows? Uh, possible, possible. Yeah, or is it, well, hang on, I've got, it, I've got it now, I've got it now. It's something to do with bottom fillers. Oh, your, your mind works in very strange ways, no. No, the common factor is Armenia. Armenia, of Kim, course. Of course. How could, I How not could you know? not know that? How could you not know that? <laughs> Kim Kardashian has Armenian heritage via her dad. Mm. Voskhat is an Armenian grape variety. And yeah. the world's oldest shoe dating back 5,500 years, was found in the Arenywan cave complex in Armenia. The world's oldest shoe. The world's oldest shoe. It's not Jimmy Choo. I think I've got a couple of those, haven't I? <laughs> <You've> <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> they look like it, or they smell like it. Anyway, so carry on. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a very, very <laughs> snazzy little leather number, probably snazzier than yours. Oh, okay. Size six, so it would fit me, mm-hmm. uh, with laces. Would you... Would you there believe? We there you go. Anyway, we'll come back to this because um, because a six thousand year old winery was found in the same complex. Can I just say I'm loving where this episode is going? Um, <laughs> which is, I have no idea where it's going. Uh, you know, you're, you're genuinely frying my brain already with the references oh, to Kim go. Kardashian and sort of Bronze Age archaeology. Don't this worry, is, this don't. is my kind of yeah. Well, sort of. Brain we, we, we are going to be. <laughs> don't worry. We're going to be coming on to wine very, very soon because uh, because I know that's much more, really much more your thing than bums and shoes, isn't it? Um, and we've got uh, we've got lots of fascinating stuff about Armenian wine. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, good, good, because, good. because this is one of the. Let's get serious. This is one of the world's oldest winemaking cultures. Huge mm. diversity as well as history even though I think history, it's fair to say, hasn't always been kind to the Armenian people. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating subject and a delicious one. And we've got some great bottles lined up to taste as well, have we not? So you have me at wine. Thank you. <laughs> um, definitely feeling much more settled now. Um, but before we start the episode, I, I did just want to, if it's okay, mention a couple of things. Bring in Don't things, you always. As I sometimes do. Um, <laughs> so firstly, I wanted to give a shout out to Helen Bailey, uh, who wrote in from Kansas City as oh, follows. Um, Helen writes, I just wanted to let you know that I absolutely love your podcast. Uh, Thank you, Helen. Uh, I've been thinking about doing the Master of Wine after working in the industry for almost five years now, and you both have given me a very good perspective of what to expect and a very nice and encouraging reason why to keep learning. Thank you and cheers. Thank you, Helen. I I think think Helen's hit the nail on the head there. The, The Master of Wine qualification is all about learning, but not just mm. studying, mm. not the studying bit, but also when you become an MW, it's about having an open mind and 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 using that knowledge to help other people. I mean, it's mm. essentially one long learning process. Isn't ends, it doesn't really. end. Yeah, no. yeah. Which sounds terrible, but it's not. It's no, fabulous. It's, it's brilliant. Um, and and Helen, we would wholeheartedly encourage you to go for it. It's you know, it's intense. Mm. You definitely need time, and you need energy, and you need support of everybody around you yeah that's a very good point too <laughs> you really yeah, you do. do you do but it, it's so worth it yeah yeah so so let us know when you start and how you get on i mm. mean maybe we can follow your journey on wine blast oh there we go how about that Helen, no pressure but here we go we can <laughs> see it all coming together right here in real time <laughs> over the airwaves um and just one other thing i wanted to mention before we started we've had a message from Stephen talon um the lucky so-and-so who, who won a case of delicious bordeaux wine in our competition a short while back if you remember and you've got quite a good memory, so you probably remember this. Stephen uh, also loves the podcast and had suggested to his wife that they could become husband and wife, masters of wine like us. Mm, do I, re- I do remember this. I do remember. She, she didn't quite share his enthusiasm, did she? Let's be honest. <laughs> That's one way of saying it. 
Um, no, uh, but he, he did. He did. I'm glad to say he did get her to subscribe to the podcast, uh, which is a win. It's a win it, for us. Win. Thank you very yeah, much, yeah. Stephen. But and anyway, thank you to you, uh, Stephen's just got back in touch to say thanks for the Bordeaux wine arriving. Um, but there's one problem. What's that? Um, well, in the interim, his wife's got pregnant. No. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Oh, congratulations! God, God, I mean, is this our first wine blaster baby? Ooh. I think I think that might be stretching it a bit far. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Sorry, I'm getting um, carried away. I'm not even um, here yet. But um, but, but yeah. I think I might know where you're going with this yeah. in terms of the yes. the, the interim yes. and the, the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm. Stephen now has a dilemma, mm. doesn't he? I bet he um, does. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Stephen, delicious Bordeaux wines just sitting there winking at them. Um, and Stephen wrote to say. They all look great. I can't wait to try them. But but given my wife's current condition, she's guilting me into waiting for her so she can enjoy them too. <laughs> Go for the guilting. Go for the guilting. Um, seems only fair, to, to what she says, to Stephen's credit. Seems only fair, but I might sneak the sweet wine for myself. What do we think? Susie oh, Barry, relationship expert. It's like expert. the moral maze, isn't it? Um, I mean, I have to say I'm allowed to say this. I did enjoy the odd glass or two of wine when I was pregnant. Um, mm. I, I, you know, I thought... If a small amount of wine made me happy and kept me sane, it would be better for all concerned. That's how I justified it to myself. But but easy on the public health advice. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's not for everyone and probably better to play it safe, frankly. Um, Mm, mm. In which case, I'd say, Stephen, okay, these are all good wines and will easily keep for nine months. You can use them maybe to celebrate your new arrival in due course. Mm, Um, And if the odd bottle were to go missing in the interim or got accidentally dropped i'm sure no one's going to notice are they are they no um i'm just thinking about this doesn't steven's wife subscribe to the podcast now? <laughs> so, so, so she'll be hearing this as well so, oh dear uh, oh dear we shouldn't yeah. take sides should no. we um, my final wine my final word final wine final word would Another be um, enjoy wine. the wines when the time is right there's no pressure they were free after all and you yeah. can always buy more bottles of the same if they go down well Very true. or disappear um <laughs> and in the meantime you probably won't have time to drink because you'll be listening to the podcast yes with the dedication we expect oh, oh, there you go and that's not, before not you start moment. on the mw course well, together there, yes <laughs> there we go there we go there we have it i'm glad enough, we've cleared enough that up. said enough said <laughs> leaving a trail of carnage in our yeah, wake yeah. broken bottles broken relationships anyway mm. shall we move on good idea right good idea yeah. so armenia and its wines <laughs> now you've been delving into the ancient history of wine haven't you on your yeah. recent filming trips to georgia and lebanon um, yeah. And this and this this piqued our curiosity about the Caucasus region, mm. Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Turkey, which are thought to be the area where wild grapevine, the wild grapevine was first domesticated mm. and proper winemaking yeah, began. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So, exactly. So this this was in the Neolithic or Stone Age period, uh, according to current thinking. Um, so in Georgia, I filmed at the Gadatrilgora excavation site where pottery shards with traces of wine, have been found dating back to 6,000 BC. So that's 8,000 years ago. Um, so that essentially, as it stands, that is ground zero for wine, mm-hmm. um, which obviously for a wine mm-hmm. lover is an amazing place that's to visit. Amazing, it, was, yeah. it, it was a totally intense experience, not easy to visit. Um, but it, in our case, it was made all the more special by this sort of dry thunder and lightning storm kicking up just as we filmed there, just as we started to crack open these wines yeah. at this it was. Anybody who hasn't seen this, the filming is really amazing, it was very dramatic. It was the camera member sort of thinking, yeah. we should go and shelter because it's yeah. not safe and it's yeah. about to tip down. It never did. But it didn't tip down. It no, didn't. It no. was just this Perfect cataclysmic thunder and lightning going on all around wow. us. As we opened these, you know, 
wines that could have been made in the Stone Age yeah. and, and food that could have been made in the Stone Age. Yeah. It was just crazy. It was like the, 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 you know, the, the ancestors were joining us in the party, <laughs> um, as, as John Werdemann, and our guide, said at the time. You know, but generally speaking, though, I reckon there's lots still to discover mm. in, in this whole region about wine history in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that so includes this, Armenia too. Yeah, well, exactly. This is where we come on to Armenia. Um, it's a neighbour of Georgia to the south. Um, it's a landlocked nation bordered by Georgia, Azerbaijan, Turkey and Iran. Uh, it's mostly mountainous. Mm. Around 70% of the country is mountains. And it's also, as we've said, an ancient winemaking culture. In, in, this is the Areni One Cave yeah. evidence you were talking about. Yeah, earlier. yeah, yeah. So this... This site is in the Vyatsor region of southern Armenia. Um, coincidentally, it is a major wine region today. Um, but archaeologists found a wine press and fermentation vats, also storage jars with grape seeds from Vitis vinifera and drinking cups. And they were all dated to around 4,000 BC. Wow, that's amazing. They also found a shoe, as we mentioned <laughs> earlier. But it's not particularly relevant here. Um, not, not much to do with wine. Don't but there discount we go. the shoe at your cost. The shoe's always relevant. You know, was it a winemaker's shoe? That's it the could question. Be. Oh, what were winemakers cool. wearing back in the day? Was it the Converse All Star of its day? I don't know what the winemakers. <laughs> the UGG or the Gumboot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, was it they were in Australia? You... It's, I think they could red bags. Or I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, is there a winemaker's yeah. shoe? What is an iconic winemaker? Please write in any winemakers listening. What's the iconic winemaker's shoe? I'd be interested. I'll stop now. Yeah, you've it's heard it first relevant. on Wine Blast and probably last as well. <laughs> so anyway, this was all interesting, but perhaps not the shoe bit, but the rest of it. Um, and then we noticed, didn't we, that Armenian wines kept popping up here and mm. there. And mm. you talked to Alberto Antonini, who's an yeah. international consultant, wine consultant, who also makes wines in yeah, Armenia. Um, I filmed for Wine Masters TV a masterclass episode on what we described as the old old world which mm. featured Armenia and then we came upon this story of two young women taking modern Armenian wine out into the world and all of this together yeah. got us intrigued yeah. and so here we are Indeed. we hope you're intrigued too. Indeed um, so you know basically in summary we've got an ancient winemaking culture which tends to mean loads of unique sort of indigenous and historic wine grape varieties and styles we've got a very mountainous country mm -hmm. which means plenty of unique wine towers waiting to be exploited yeah. altitude and yeah. then we've got this very young industry but with some dynamic people taking Armenian wine into the modern era. So Yeah, you know, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, exciting, really. Anyway, so perhaps at this point it's worth adding, I think, a thought on, on politics. Um, is it worth it? Maybe. Yeah. And, and, and the social history. Now, Armenia is an ancient country, but it's had a tough time over the years. And I suppose that's what can happen when you have powerful neighbours. Yeah. You know, during World War One, it's estimated that 1.5 million Armenians were exterminated under the Ottoman Empire in what's known as the Armenian Genocide. Mm. Um, modern day Turkey, though, does deny this ever happened. Since that time, there's been a large Armenian diaspora or population living outside the country, mm. um, thought to be twice or three times as big as the homebound population. Yeah, yeah. there's a big Armenian um, community in Lebanon, actually, Is where there? I, was, I was working. Um, oh, I suppose that makes sense you know, then, doesn't uh, it? Yeah. Doing, doing this filming recently, and I was actually mm. working with some of them when I was oh, there. You know, I didn't we, know they, that. They were really lovely people and we actually had a, a brilliant drone operator who was part of the Armenian, Armenian drone operator in, in intriguing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway after World War One, Armenia was incorporated into the Soviet Union mm. for, for the next 70 years until 1991 now this was a blow for the wine sector 
probably mm. obviously, um, mm. because the Soviets forced them to focus on mass production and brandy. And they mm. were largely cut off from the rest of the world. Mm. And mm. more recently, there's been an ongoing conflict with Azerbaijan over the Nagorno-Karabakh province, mm. which does have vineyards and oak forests, but which Azerbaijan is now claiming. Yeah, so so we've got historic conflict and now current, current conflict, conflict. Yeah, with mm, sort seriously. of you know wine caught in the middle. Poor wine, yeah, and all its mm. all its lovely people. Mm. So this is the perfect point, I think, to bring in Amy Kushgerian. Mm. She's Armenian by heritage, but grew up in Italy. Her family had wineries there. Then she went to school and university in the US. Um, after all that, her father Vaha invited her to move back and join his wine operation, which she did. And she's now COO of Wineworks, their custom crush winery incubator. Mm. But that's not all, because she's also founded her own label Zulal to revitalise Armenia's ancient and indigenous grape varieties. And she's still not not 30, is she? No. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, she puts the rest of us to shame. She slightly does. <laughs> I mean, Amy, she definitely lives life in the fast lane, uh, which you can also tell by the way she talks. Yeah. Um, but I started by asking her to set the scene for us in terms of Armenia and its wines. Yeah, so Armenia is kind of has this dichotomy of of sitting between having an ancient tradition of winemaking, but still is a very young winemaking nation. Um, when we talk about the Armenian terroir, we usually talk about four things. One is that we have a historic um, culture of viticulture, um, and we have two stories that we usually tell when we talk about the the history and and ancient tradition. And one is that. Um, in 2011, National Geographic and UCLA uncovered this this cave, which now sits in the Vyotsot region. This cave is important because it dates winemaking in the region 6,000 years ago. So humans were making wine in the Neolithic era, probably from what we call now Vitis vinifera species. So when people talk about the birthplace and origins of winemaking, they they refer to the the Vitis vinifera species originating in this area that is in the Caucasus mountains of, of Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Turkey, and this whole this whole area. And that that cave where humans were making wine is a stone's throw away from most of the vineyards where we make wine from today. The second story that we that we talk about is in in a history, which is a book written written by Herodotus, where he recounts Armenians as being ancient wine merchants. At the time of Babylonians and Sumerians, Armenians were winemakers, and what we did is we packaged wine in oak barrels, we loaded them up on a on a boat called a kur, and we floated down the Euphrates River, where we proceeded to sell our barrels to the Babylonians. We sold our wine, we sold our boat, we sold the animal hide that held the boat together, and then we walked back to Armenia on horses and donkeys. And we repeated that loop and we started to become wine merchants. Of course, through through geopolitics and war and genocide, Armenia didn't quite enter the wine industry until recently, um, especially during the Soviet Union when we were somewhat cut off from the rest of the world. We did have winemaking during Soviet time, um, but it was um, it was somewhat oriented towards brandy production. So the Soviet during the Soviet times, they actually created two grapes, um, one that's a cross between a Chardonnay and a Ricazzitelli, and one between a, um, a Cabernet Sauvignon and a Saparavi to produce for brandy production. So they did large-scale plantings, very Soviet-style, to produce high-volume um, uh, grapes for, for brandy. There were pockets that were somewhat preserved, specifically in the Vyotsod region, where a lot of the brands today and wineries are being built and and, and projects being started, where the, the grapes 
because of the elevation, because of the, the, the land and the way that it's situated was, was, um, was preserved and maintained to making homemade wine. So farmers continued to make wine and, and harvested their grapes, but for small, for small batch wine, wine. So in that sense, we started the modern wine industry with vineyards. So most of the, these vines are 20, 30, 40 years old. And in some cases, we have 100 and 120 year old vines that predate the Soviet Union. And we have around 30, 40 indigenous grape varieties. Historically, we have around 500 to 1,000. And um, it's been, it's always been a toss up to really understand how many Vitis vinifera varieties that we have in the region. But we have a grape geneticist, Cristina Margarian, who recently uh, uh, released a, a, a research paper where she found 500 singular plants with different DNAs where she went and took them to Geisenheim University in Germany and she uncovered 500 indigenous Vitis vinifera varieties. So the combination between our ancient tradition and our indigenous grapes sets us apart in the winemaking world and gives us a very unique terroir. Um, combined with our high elevation uh, vineyards, we have the valley floor around a thousand meters and we go all the way up to around a thousand seven hundred meters. So we have a lot of elevation changes, um, which gives us phenolic ripeness in the grapes. And we have very extreme temperature changes. So we have very cold, snowy winters and we have very hot, dry, hundred degree summers. So we experience all four seasons very seasonally. So taking all of that into account, what would you say are the, the current trends in Armenian wine? What's particularly exciting? You know, why should we all try Armenian wines? Armenia has a very different wine culture than other wine countries. Um, we used to be a brandy drinking, vodka drinking, cigar smoking culture, and now we've turned into a wine drinking culture. We don't follow the path of any other wine region, I would say. Our, 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 our neighbors of Georgia um, have a very distinct way of making wine, and we have um, our own way of making wine. We have most of our projects that are that use stainless steel tank and modern technology and Caucasian oak barrels and indigenous grape varieties. Um, and um, I would say a trend is to continue to to uh, make single varietal wines from from our flagship grapes, which are Adeni for red and Voskehat for white. Um, and I would say some trends are. Um, we have a, quite a few small, small growers who are starting to make their own wine and, um, and produce small batch wineries. Um, in, in general, the industry is growing very quickly. So we have, um, quite a few international projects. We have international winemakers that are coming and, and investing and, and, and planting new vineyards. And, and the trends are going to continue to go in, in towards making quality wine. I would say right now, we're making very good wine um, and and we're making very good wine with vineyards that were planted during the Soviet Union. So now that we have all these new vineyards being planted with high density farming, um, drip irrigation, um, modern modern uh, viticultural practices, we're going to make great wine in the future. Um, so right now we're talking about the potential. And, and just thinking about the, the international consultants um, versus, you know, the, the history and the, the indigenous varieties, how do those two marry? Because obviously you presumably want wines to taste of Armenia, you know, where they come from. How does that work with international consultants? Yeah, so it's it's more of a philosophical question. Are you going to plant European varieties to show the world that we have great terroir to grow Cabernet or Chardonnay? Or are, are you going to plant indigenous grapes and work on 
um, elevating our clones and varieties and, and continue that, that culture of, of farming indigenous grapes. Most, most, most international winemakers that come to Armenia choose to work with native, native grapes. Um, although there are projects that, um, that have planted European varieties as well. I would say it's a, it's a philosophical question. In general, our grape varieties tend to lend themselves very well to our climate and soil and growing conditions. Um, me personally is more, it's more interesting to work with our indigenous grape varieties and start, um, working on, on, on discovering the clones and, and perhaps propagating them a little bit more further in a way that um, changes them slightly to produce a higher quality wine. So, so you you started, let's let's talk about you personally, you started your winemaking career with your father, Vaha's Armenian sparkling wine brand, Kush. Um, but since 2017, you've made your own wines under the Zulal label and you do focus on indigenous varieties. Um, now you've said, and, and I quote, making wine in Armenia is unlike anywhere else. We are on a journey to rediscover our indigenous grape varieties and realise the true potential of our terroir. So can you just elaborate a bit more about the indigenous varieties and your own experience of them uh, so far? Yes, yeah, so I, I grew up in Italy. My my family had a winery in Tuscany and a winery in Puglia. Um, this was the early nineties. Um, and and then I went to high school in the U.S., college in the U.S. Um, and then I moved to Armenia. I've been living in Armenia for five six years. Um, my father invited me to partars- to participate in my my first harvest for Kush in twenty fifteen that fall in twenty fifteen. And I never thought I would work in wine. And then when he invited me, I thought it would be really fun. And I moved to Armenia immediately. Uh, that winter. And so I started managing our, our Kush brand, which is our traditional method sparkling wine company. Um, and then I slowly started working at Wineworks, which is my father's custom crush winery incubator. And I think I was building other people's brands and, and really looking at the industry as a whole. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to, uh, have my own brand and my own project. I was 23 at the time. Um, and I was really excited about exploring our indigenous grape varieties. We have quite a few indigenous grape varieties that no one has made single varietal before and no one has microvinified to really understand the expression of these grapes. And so that really got me excited in, in terms of doing more experimentation and research. And so I do work with grape geneticists in the vineyards and we go and hand pick and select grapes in the vines. We've, um, I've experimented with uh, grapes like Chilar, Tozot, Nazeli, Garmirgot, all these really beautiful grape varieties that maybe maybe we can only find a couple um, um, tons of enough to make 600 bottles or a thousand bottles. And it's the first time that people have um, um, selected these grapes and made it made them single varietal. And I think that's one of the most exciting things that we have is we have a very diverse um, diverse array of, of varieties and indigenous grapes and really just uncovering um, what we have. Um, and in a lot of cases, they're very rare. In a lot of cases, they're they're almost lost. And so um, the mission with Zulal is to revitalize some of these grape varieties and, and really understand what we have in terms of grapes. Now, I know that the Areni um, is is the, the, the best known red grape variety in Armenia. Um, how would you describe the, the characteristics? Because it's, a, it's a, a grape variety we're most likely perhaps to see in the UK that that people might get the chance to try how would you describe it to us Arani is a is a beautiful grape. It's it's thick skin, tight clustered. It's very versatile in the sense that it can make rosé wine and red wine and sparkling wine as well. 
Uh, I would say you get a lot of red fruit, um, you get a lot of cherries, and, and then you get that ground pepper and pepper notes and spicy spicy notes as well. Uh, it tends to be medium bodied, but it has some structure and and a little bit of a nice unexpected tannic structure. It does well in oak, and and yeah, it's a really beautiful grape variety. So as a grape, it's 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 currently it's the name of the grape variety, the name of a village, the name of what locals. Uh, call the region, and it's also what the cave, the archaeological cave, is named after, and the oldest, uh, oldest shoe that was discovered uh, in the world, which is called the Arani One Shoe. I would love to see that. That's amazing. I think you also didn't you help create a, a Riedel glass for um, that would suit Areni. What, what, what? Tell us about that. Yes, that was a really. I, I would say the the creation of the Arani glass with Riedel was one of the watershed moments in in Armenian wine industry. Uh, it it really proved that we have um, really great wines that we're making, and and they have different characteristics and expressions from from other grapes. Uh, there was a group of seven Armenian winemakers that went to Kustain and tasted with Georg Riedel. Um, there was a lineup of around eight different glasses, and the the one that was selected is is somewhat. It's a tulip shaped and um and after that tasting now a lot of the uh cases for the the pinot noir glasses because it is somewhat similar in shape to a pinot noir glass um have already written on the box which is which is um a lovely recognition of of a really noble grape variety that we have so just changing the subject slightly I wonder how you view the geopolitics of your region and how they affect the winemaking. Um, it's certainly, I don't think it can be easy running a winery in a conflict zone, which which you've had to do, obviously. Geopolitics are are, are tricky to navigate. Um, there's a couple of things that affect the wine industry. One is, of course, transportation is a little bit difficult to get the wines exported outside of the country. You have added costs because we have two closed borders. Um, in terms of uh, safety in the vineyard, sometimes we do have issues up north in Tavush. We've had, um, we've had some issues, um, recently over the last couple of years, years, um, specifically with Kush. Um, Kush, we harvest grapes from a village called Khachik village. And this village sits 1,700 meters in elevation. So that puts them at the highest elevation vineyards in the Northern Hemisphere. And these vineyards just happen to be situated between the Armenian military base and the Azeri military base. Um, so you can imagine that sometimes it's a little bit tricky. We do have to get special clearance sometimes to work with our farmers, but, um, we've, we've been working in these vineyards since, since the inception of Kush and, and they're just a beautiful, beautiful, uh, piece of, piece of vineyards that just happen to be sit in some, in somewhat of a precarious situation. Um, the vines are 100 and 120 years old, so they predate the Soviet Union and date some of the borders that were drawn, um, during the dissolution. Especially during, we had a war that broke up in 2020 and that was, that was a little difficult. We had farmers that had to harvest, um, at night one by one. Um, so it took a little bit longer than expected. Um, although, although we are situated higher up than the Azeri military base, so it is a disadvantage for them to, um, for them to have any action on that, on that side of the border. It still is, um, it still is some, some, it is an area that we have to maintain safety measures and just be very cognizant of. And, and in terms of the border with Azerbaijan, um, I read somewhere that you you lost, Armenia had lost quite a lot of the land, um, some of the wineries, some of the forests to to Azerbaijan. How has that affected things and you, how can you protect that in the future? 
Yes, so that region you're referring to is called Artsakh or Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, it's a beautiful wine-growing region, and it's actually it's known for a grape called Sireni or Khundokhni. It's it's uh, clay soil and these kind of rolling mountains, and um, it's actually also very rich in uh, in in Vitis vinifera varieties. Um, uh, we've recently uncovered around a hundred different indigenous grapes um, in that small piece of land, and um, it was it was growing quite a bit as as a region until the war broke out in 2020, and we lost. Um, three wineries. We lost um, uh, around sixty percent of our oak forest that we used to make Caucasian oak, and we lost two of our two of our coopers. Um, so it is it is um, that region specifically has a lot of difficulties um, and challenges um, that it faces in terms of making wine. But one thing I would say is that all of us that are all of all of us winemakers that are that work in that region are committed to. Um, maintaining that land under Armenia. So we see it as some sort of a commitment that we, um, that we continue to replant and regrow and maintain, maintain that land for vineyards and winemaking because, um, like most places that are on conflict zone will stay and we will, we will, we will use that as a way to protect our borders. Um, now you, Amy, are very much part of the younger generation. I think you're not even 30 yet, is that right? That's correct. I'm 20, turning 29 in July. <laughs> um, but, and, and as we've discussed before, you do many things. You know, you make your own wine. You work as a brand ambassador for Riedel. You, you're in charge of wine works. You're even lo- launching your own wine magazine, as far as I'm aware. Um, given all these different perspectives on the industry, how do you see the future for Armenian wine? I think Armenian wine has a very bright future. We're sitting at a at a point right now where our quality has changed drastically over the last 10 years and our culture has become a wine drinking culture in in Armenia. Um right now we have an interesting interesting uh situation where the demand of our wines are growing but the supply of our grapes is somewhat um not matched so we're we're going to see a lot of uh large scale vineyard planting in the future we're going to see um an increase of quality of the wine we're going to see um more more growth within the the our exports and i think we're going to see a lot of a lot of different small smaller projects and grower projects um really digging into our indigenous grape varieties and and we're going to start defining a little bit more um, what our wine industry looks at, where we don't have appellations yet, we don't have vineyard designations. It's really just we have we have these vineyards and land and and farmers that work on it, and so that gives us a lot of room to innovate right now and experiment, which is very exciting. So um, it's a little open ended, but but it's 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 going to look very bright. Well, I'm, I'm, we're very much hoping we see more Armenian wines in the UK. But Amy, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So Armenians is ancient winemaker merchants floating down the Euphrates. <laughs> I, love that, I love that. But, you know, I think it will be really interesting to see how uh, Armenia evolves and, and, and reinvents itself, as it were. Yeah. You know, that idea of a, an ancient but also very young wine scene. Which is really exciting, though, yeah, isn't it's, it? It's, it? There's so many possibilities yeah, that that yeah, entails, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's quite similar to Georgia in yes, a way. Yes, yeah. And, and, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to try more of those great varieties, you know, mm, Chila, mm. Tozot, Nazeli, Karmirkot, Sireni. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean it's, and it's amazing that there are thought to be 
500 to 1,000 indigenous Armenian grape varieties. I know, that's a book in itself, isn't it? It is. Um, and, and as we said earlier, with all that mountainous land at altitude, mm-hmm. this fierce weather, you know, you get the sense that the possibilities are endless Yeah, imagine there. how good those wines if can be. If only they can have some stability um, and, and time to develop and, and yeah. you know, anyway. Um, one point I also picked up on that note was what she said about the, you know, this disputed Nagorno-Karabakh territory. Mm. Um how she wants to protect Armenia's territory and borders through winemaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of fighting talk, isn't it? Mm, um, it's mm. just so. I think it's just so sad when something as beautiful and ancient as wine, which should bring people together, becomes itself a, a victim of violence and conflict. Yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. just, yeah, really, really sad. Anyway, we wish the people in the area well and, and hope a constructive resolution um, can be found. Mm. Although Amy did say when I talked to her off tape, as it were, that that conflict has resumed, unfortunately, since the eyes of the world were distracted by the, the war in Ukraine. Yeah, it must be a really tricky time for them because, you know, Russia is one of Armenia's main export markets, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, along with the US. So, yeah, uh, yeah difficult situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're a small country. They need to make a living. They're dependent on Russia to a certain extent. But equally, they can't really be seen to be supporting Russia or supplying Russia or capitalising on this horrific war. I mean, mm. it, it just cannot be easy making those decisions. No. I mean, it's, I wouldn't no, want to be in that it's position. It's not easy. You know, we, I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Well said. But we've got a few of our, um, Amy's wines here to taste. Yeah, yeah. On a, on a brighter so, note, yeah. 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 So, so we were, first of all, we were intrigued by the mm. notion of Armenian sparkling mm. wine, weren't Armenian we? Armenian sparkling? Armenian yeah. fizz. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Woo. Who knew? Um, and we really like the Kush Ultra Brut Nature Blanc de Noir 2017. Now, this is made from a Rennes Noir in the Vyatsor region, grown at mm. 1,750 metres above sea level, yeah. hand-picked, as they say, from ungrafted century-old vines in the Hashik village. Mm. And it was really nice, wasn't it? Mm. Bready, fleshy, biscuity, yeah. you know, quite, quite generous, stylish. I mean, really... Really classy, um, spot on. Proof of Areni's versatility. I know, it's amazing it's made from yeah. Areni, isn't it? It's fantastic. I mean, I know Areni can be compared to Pinot Noir, but, you know, yeah. to make a really lovely, classic, yeah. beautiful, yeah, yeah. sparkling wine, we that, were impressed, that was weren't we? really, yeah. really impressive and, yeah, and yeah. something that wasn't on our radar at all. So. No, 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 I mean, no. My only criticism of that wine was, yes, yeah. it was classic and stuff, but probably just a little bit dry for me. Well, I mean, the Brut Nature thing, I think we both agreed yeah. that um, it, it, it would have, you know... yeah. I mean, I, we, we talked about this on our, on our last program about mm. dosage, don't we? Mm. Um, we think that this trend for zero dosage is going too far and actually wines would be more complete, complex and just generally well-balanced if they yeah. had more dosage. Just um, a small this amount. Was a, yeah, just know, a small amount. And this was, this was one of the cases. Mm. And it's a small criticism because yeah. overall it's a really lovely wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just could have had a touch more residual sugar yeah. and be more complex and, and yeah. rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But apart from that, you know, yeah, absolutely. We, we were you really know, impressed. That, they, that, they look good as well, just to say, you know, they're, they're really sparkling, smart, smart-looking bottles. sparkling should be on everyone's radar. There we go. <laughs> okay, so moving on, we've got the Zulal mm. Voskahat Reserve 2018, mm. also from Viots. Now, Voskahat is very productive, used for brandy, um, but this was grown at altitude and barrel fermented, and it's rich and rounded, oaky, um, a little bit spicy, mm. Um, mm. lovely silky texture, mm. not particularly high acid, but, no. you know, kind of that class, um, sort of classy, bold, foody, and, and yet 13% alcohol, so not not, you know, not too... Yeah, it's quite, it's quite oaky, isn't it? But, but, but it with, is, it, it has is. Behind mm. that, what's really nice, it has a lovely sort of orange rind lift yeah. and a sort of honeysuckle perfume. Yeah. You know, almost, I thought, maybe a touch of botrytis. Yeah. You know, a little noble rot. 
from a long hang time. I, don't, I, I might be wrong, to be honest, but it was quite complex in not just an oaky way. Mm. But the important thing was it was a bit different. Mm, absolutely. Um, and that's what it? we're looking for, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's exactly. Um, but actually, the one I really love was the, was the Zulal Karmir Kot, which I've got just here. And... Um, I love this bottle. Um, this is the 2018. It was also from Vyotsu. It's the reserve 2018, um, isn't and it? And apparently this was the first ever release of this Armenian grape. Um, it's got a very dramatic label, hasn't it? With this it's beautiful. Horse. It's actually beautiful, yes. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, we'll, yeah, put a, yeah. we'll put a photo on, the, on yeah. the website. But it's a lovely style. You know, I mean, they describe it as having galloping acidity and a bit of oak tannin, which is quite a dramatic way of describing it. <laughs> you know, I'd definitely say it's quite rugged. It's a rugged beauty, if you like. Um, rich fruit, you know. Sort of high-toned VA, a bit of, but it, what it's lovely, it's kind of got this wild sort of exotic kind of slightly mad nose or aroma, but then mm. it's got this lovely firm grounding tannin, very serious sort of palette. It's almost, for me, it reminded me of, of a Nebbiolo or a Grenache cross almost, mm. you know, and I found it to be intriguing and again, a bit different. I think you liked it more than me, didn't you? I mm. mean, I, I just, I struggled with the alcohol's 15% and it, mm. You know, that isn't always a bad thing, but it, it just was, a, the style was overall a bit much for me. But yeah. definitely, as you say, characterful, and that's what we are looking for. Yeah, you do now, get that, you do get that, um, as well as the alcohol, you do that grounding tannin, which can yeah. be the, same, the sort of thing in yeah. Barolo content, where you yeah. get the big alcohol, but you've got the grounding Yes, tannin. exactly, and it works, yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, just a bit big. Um, mm. Anyway, I also, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it's all that Academy of Cots, it's, 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 doing, it's doing your voice and <laughs> I can't podcasters go. beware. Um, I also chatted with Juliana De Laila Ernekian. Um, mm. She runs Karas Wines, which is based in Armavir, not far from the capital Yerevan. She's in business with her great uncle, Eduardo Ernekian, who is mm. based in Argentina and is one of that country's richest men. Yeah, I think it's sort of media and travel, mm. isn't it? Mm. Mm. Anyway, and they they also own, own and she runs, uh, also runs Bodega del Fin del Mundo in Patagonia, Argentina. Mm. Um, now, Keras is quite a new project, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like like many others in this new era or renaissance of Armenian wine, mm. you know, it, it, it's fairly new. I think it was founded in 2004 and the first vintage was 2010. Mm. Um, it's named after the Karas, which is what the big clay winemaking vessels are called in Armenia, like the Georgian Quevery. Mm. Um, they make wine at Karas from, from both international and indigenous grape varieties. But I asked Juliana specifically about the indigenous varieties. Well, in particular for Karas, as, as we started at a time that we didn't have much uh, information about wine in Armenia, no? and we didn't know at that time the indigenous varieties that we know today, no? Our story started only less than 20 years ago, so it's very short. And in the last, especially the last 10 years, we discovered so many new things, so many new varieties, so many ways of working with these varieties. And we got to know more intimately how to deal with areni, for example, no? that it's the most important grape in, that we have in Armenia. So it took us a lot of time, not so much in terms of wine time, but quite a lot in terms of our short history. To get, to get to know how to make the best wine with these grapes that we didn't know so far. And when we talk about, for example, Areni, which now I'm in love with, and, and I think it's amazing, and it has a lot of, of different faces to discover, we get um, a sort of wine that is like between like a, a Nebbiolo and a Pinot Noir, if we try to compare it with something that we already know. And it's, it's very interesting because... Um, the flavors and the, the textures that we can find in a areni is not something that we have tasted before, no? So I think that's something that it's very 
like exciting to to uh, to see that that we still have so many new things and new flavors and things to discover in a moment when we thought i think that in the wine world everything was already known no so and this is just like the tip of the iceberg because without any i think we we've experienced a little bit more than with the rest of the varieties that we are still getting to know uh, we have more than 130 indigenous varieties in armenia in Karas, we are only working with five uh, so we still have so much to do. We have a, um, an experimental uh, vineyard in the winery and we are trying to, to bring new varieties uh, into our, our vineyard in order to really investigate deeply what we can do with these varieties, which are really, really amazing. You talk about Areni as that, that um, sort of almost like a combination between Nebbiolo and Pinot Noir. I mean, we have, even in a, a short space of time, Peter and I have tasted wines that go from sparkling wines to full-bodied reds, all made from Areni. So it obviously does have that capability to do many different things um in terms of of tasting uh, it reminds me of these two but also uh, when we make wine out of these grapes it reminds me particularly of pinot noir which is the one that i know the best as we make pinot noir in patagonia i see that just as pinot noir uh, areni needs a mature vine to make better wine no so i see that uh, when the years go, go by the wine is and the, the the grapes are even better than the last the previous one, no. So and I see that same like a phenomenon with with Pinot Noir, and it's it's not just like it doesn't happen with every uh, grape, no, with every vine. Like for example, with Malbec, you can make great wine with a very young vine of Malbec, no. But uh, but it doesn't happen with Pinot Noir, and it doesn't happen with Arani. So. Um, it's great that we we could find in Armenia some really ancient uh, plants of Areni, which are very interesting to see the wine that comes from those those vines. In our in our winery, we we planted all new new a new vineyard, no? So we are still discovering what's what what type of wines and what th- kind of things we can do with that. But I see now that that the vines are much more mature, that the wine is even more balanced, and 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 that it's it's more expressive, you know, uh, and I think that that's, we are just now discovering what we can do with it. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about talking of sort of innovation experiments, you've got some experimental wines as well, haven't you? You've got an orange wine made from Kangun, which I had never heard of before. So that's one of the indigenous varieties. And then I think a couple of micro terroir syrahs as well. How did those come about and, and what's different about them? Well, um, Cangun is very interesting too. Uh, it's a grape that, it's a white grape uh, that is done, it's used also for distillation to make the, the, the Armenian cognac, the Armenian brandy. Uh, and we made make wine also from it. And when we have this wine called Krakikator in, in Armenian, uh, the translation would be like piece of fire. It's like like a spark, no, like something that that yeah. explodes, but it doesn't hit one. Like it's it's unique, no, because a spark, for example, it's it's one one stuck one. It's one spark is not the same as the other, no. And the idea behind this wine, and it's actually like a, it's like Karas alter ego, no. So it's like in Kagikator we play and we try to find new new faces of our terroir and outside of what we do for our more 
like the wines that we have in our portfolio. And this orange wine uh, was an experiment at first, like trying to, to see what are other things we could do with Cangun. Uh, with Cangun also, we make uh, still white wine, we put it in blends. We also try to make sparkling wine from it. So we were just trying to, to see what we could do. And we, and we came by this, this um, orange wine that, that is, I love it. We make it, we ferment it in, in Caraz, in, in Amphora. Yeah. And, then, and then we just, just for the fermentation, and then we just put it in, in stainless steel, steel tanks with, a, with a skins for nine months. And we just keep it there. And the wine is, it's very interesting because it's an orange wine in its flavors, but in its color, it's quite like... Um, uh, a white wine no it's not very orange uh, and it's very delicate but also very very interesting and it's a wine that you can drink by its own or you can also pair it with food and and it's it's really really nice now i know that you work with michelle roland who's an international consultant and there are various um international consultants working across armenia people like alberto antonini um, is there a risk that the wines might lose their sense of identity, their uniqueness, their heritage, if the winemaking becomes more international, for, for want of a better term? That's a great question. Uh, and I think about that myself, no? But I think that when when it comes to Michel, for example, and the way, a way of working that we have, I think that for me, he's sort of a, a mentor. I learned everything that I know from wine, about wine from him. He's I've been working with him since I started in this amazing world. In a way, like he helped me discover what I wanted or what I wanted to show or how to show or how to make the best wine from this place possible. No, So it's not that that he is like uh, making the wine in a way that he likes, but he's like helping me discover and helping us no, as a team, uh, the ones that we work in Caras, discover um, with another point of view, no, what what we can do or what's the best way of, for example, making areni. No, with with his advice, we planted areni in different places of our vineyard to understand uh, which was the best uh, type of soil for this grape. No, um, we uh, tried different ways of pruning. We tried, tried different ways of of winemaking after in the winery. So. He's, he's like an advisor, no? He's not the wine, the, the person like making all the final decisions, but he's helping us understand or helping us maybe answer some questions when when we are working, no? In Armenia now, um, there's, a, there's a winemaker that lives there all the year, all year, all year round. His name is Gabriel Rogel. He's really talented. He's also Argentinian. He, but he's, he has been living there for nine years, so he's almost Armenian now. Um, but there's a wonderful team of people uh, that, and together we learned how to work in Armenia, no? because this was a place that had a lot of, of interesting things, a lot of, and a very ancient history, but we didn't really know what to do, no? Uh, so it was a lot of, of like trial and error, and, and the advice of Michelle, for me, it, it was fundamental. Uh, but it's not that that we are making wines for for his palate, for example. No, we are making wines to understand and to show Armenia how it is, and in its more in its most pure way, no, or more honest way. I just wonder, as a, as a final question, you know, how you see the future 
of Armenian wine? Well, I think I'm very excited for the future. And I think that I'm very privileged to be to be a part of this of this transformation, of this rebirth of the Armenian viticulture. And and I see that the yeah, the huge changes that we made since we started. No, when when I started uh, working in Karas like seven years ago, um, I was like, well, I have a winery in Armenia and another one in Patagonia. And everyone was like, well, tell me more about Patagonia. Now it's the other way around. Like people are really excited. And I think that's part of the work that we've done to put Armenia on the map, no? And and people are getting excited and, and very curious to understand what's going on, what's happening in Armenia, what's, what's about this ancient uh, place that now is making wines that are modern or that have like, an orange uh, orange wine or what what's what's going on and i think that um it's important that that as winemakers we we get involved in this in this process and we and we really um try to work for a better future no so it's not a matter only of making great wines and putting those wines in the world but also about being responsible for example with the bottles with sustainability with turning organic if that's a possibility or but trying to make a better world with these wines no like for example for me i i making wines in armenia is not only about making wine but it's also about my my history my family like getting people to know armenia and why why am i an armenia that lives in argentina well that's because my great grandparents had to flee from armenia because of genocide so there's a lot of things to tell about Armenia and about what's going on there through wine. And I think that that's part of, of the future also, you know, to try to, to keep on building Armenia uh, with this great opportunity that we have, that is, that is wine that uh, people are curious about. So I think that's an opportunity. Juliana, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. We are indeed a curious bunch, us wine lovers, aren't we? Um, yeah, of course we are. On which note, Areni has like a cross between Nebbiolo and Pinot Noir. Mm. Um, I think that combination is guaranteed to wear every wine lover's whistle, You're isn't it? You're not kidding. You know? And that's like a dream combo, isn't um, it? Interesting, I'm just thinking actually, um, Alberto Antonini apparently sort of likens Areni to a cross between mm. Sangiovese mm. and Pinot Noir. So not a million okay. miles away. No, no. But you get that sense of the tannin that's in there as well from yeah. Areni. Quite rugged. Yeah, and we, and, we, and we did like some of uh, Juliana's Arenis. The Caris mm. Areni 2019 yeah. from yeah. Ararat had mm. a lovely, a lovely freshness about it, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, as well as sort of some exotic spices and mm. a bit floral. And mm. it's got juicy acidity. It's not overdone, you know, nicely medium bodied. Yeah. As you say, shades of Sangiovese um, or maybe Tariga even. Mm. Uh, and just, yeah, well, good for food. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really. I mean, really not, not trying nice. to be too big. That was a lovely thing about that wine. You could see it. Mm. There was sort of slightly hands off, not trying to be too ambitious. Yeah. Just yeah. make a sort of medium bodied, easy going wine. And actually, it worked really well. Yeah. That's often the sign of a good grape variety, isn't it? It is. It is. But And then also, actually, though, we did like their Caris Single Vineyard Areni mm. 2020, again, That's Ararat, nice. which was a bit bigger. It was a bit richer, yeah. uh, aged in uh, American oak, but with a, a nice leathery, chalky sort of complexity. Yeah, um, yeah. That we really. Really I mean, liked it's it you know 
it was characterful. There were elements of sort of Malbec or Mancia or Xenomavro in there. You know, I think we're pretty much throwing every variety we can think of at Arani <laughs> as to what, it, what it's like. Well, maybe that shows how it shows its versatility. versatile it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is which is intriguing in itself. Um, if you guys yeah. try some, send us in, you know, your opinions too. Yeah, what do you think? Um, oh, now, it's also true to say we liked their white blend, didn't we? The yeah. 2020, which is a blend of Kangoon, is that right? Kangoon. Kangoon. Uh, Chardonnay and Viognier from Ararat, uh, which, you know, is sort of peachy and waxy, really sort of succulent and generous. It's quite a modern style. It's quite fleshy, almost a sort of, I don't know, Mediterranean vibe, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And you like their orange wine as well, didn't mm. you? Which we've got here, which is a cool yeah. bottle. Yeah, oh, and I love the bottle. That <laughs> bottle, I mean, I know that sounds crazy, Garas. but, you know, it is really, orange. it's got this fabulous sort of orange wax seal at the top and then this picture of a caras, a blue caras with the sunshine and flames and, yeah, it's amazing. Mm. Anyway, so this is the Krati Ktor 2020, made from Kangun, the great variety mm. Kangun in Ararat. Uh, so it has 10 months skin contact. It's not particularly orange in colour. And and actually in the mouth, it's in your mouth, it's quite subtle as well. It is actually, but it is yeasty. There's some orange rind, some apricot. Um, they could have probably been a bit braver with this and gone for a, a bit more skin contact, but mm. it's very engaging. You know, it's lifted, it's floral, delicate. I thought there were notes of orange flower water there. Um, you know. I mean, generally speaking, mm. you know, you look at these wines and think there's so much potential for experimentation in Armenia, huge potential. Um, there are these distinctive, mm. well-made wines. There are more wines that could be made, obviously, in a range of styles. You know, yeah. we're looking at fizz to sweet already. You know, there's everything that can be made here. And there's ambition, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, and a growing range of producers. We we've liked Zora's wines in the in the yeah. past as well. There are any, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I think I think what's important to say is it would be really nice to see an emphasis on indigenous varieties. Given there are so many and exactly. such good ones. Exactly. You know. You know. We've tried some others, haven't we? You know, Syrah, yeah. Cabernet Franc, Malbec. But you sort of feel, yeah, okay. You know, that might work to get your foot in the door internationally because people recognise those and they don't recognise Armenia, but. If you've got all those indigenous varieties, back yourself with those. Mm. You know, it's a huge point of difference. Yes, it might take a bit more for people to get to know them. But once you've got people to know them, yeah. that's your yeah. market. And that's what you do. That's what you've done yeah. historically. Yeah. That's what wine's yeah. all about. Absolutely. And, and focus on elegance and drinkability. Absolutely. That, that's that, another that's really, thing. really good point. Yeah. So you've got these indigenous varieties, make them in a beautifully elegant, drinkable yeah. way Don't with them. character. Don't you lose overdo the identity them. Yeah. if you overdo yeah. them. I mean, there's no point in kind of covering them in oak and, and extracting a huge extraction in the red so that they're super tannic yeah. or over ripening or whatever. They need the opposite. These young yeah. winemakers need yeah. to let the grapes and the terroirs Shine. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, you know, we did try the the Grand Caras 2017, which which is described as a Syrah led blend aged in American and French oak. It's 15% alcohol. You know, and I'm sorry, but it, j- it just tastes like Rioja, you know, or or some any number of you know similar wines from around the world trying to be big and ripe and oaky. And I think that for me is a crying shame. It's almost like I taste the wine. And I think it almost makes me cry because <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to overdo yeah. this, but it's just yeah. it's just a shame, you know, and I yeah. don't want to blame Michel Roland. Because it's not a bad wine, is it? It's just it's not a an bad, international it's wine. Just, but it, but it's, 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 a sh- it's a missed opportunity. If yeah. that's the one per- wine people buy and they yeah. come away thinking, it just tastes like Rioja, you think, why buy more? Yeah. You know, so like I say, I don't want to blame Michel Roland, who, know, who, who is the consultant yeah. who works in that pro- project, as Juliana was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to blame the Argentine connection. Um, you know, Keras are actually making some interesting single vineyard series, aren't they? Even yeah. though 
they, they could be better again. But, mm. you know, why make a wine from Armenia that could come from anywhere in the world? Yeah, yeah. But maybe this is what will naturally happen as the sector evolves and it gains confidence. You know, one to watch, I would say. Yeah. And hopefully it'll go down the route of I really the indigenous so. varieties. I really hope so. Making them Juliana really well. That, wasn't she? That, that, yeah. That, 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 that's what they'd like to do. So I really, yeah. really hope yeah. that's what producers focus on. Use modern knowledge and technology to actually make some really interesting wines along with exactly. the traditional techniques as use, well use that exactly use that knowledge yeah but make the indigenous, make the indigenous varieties, varieties wines that are distinctive and yeah. i'll tell you what else you know they definitely shouldn't fall into the trap of, of the heavy bottle overly traditional packaging it that again would be another own goal yeah you know it, you're basically inventing a new category in front of people's yeah. eyes do something fun and new and engaging and make it sustainable and forward thinking make it not something that harks back to the past you know the wines do that themselves the history does that the great varieties do that make the packaging innovative and sustainable and eco-friendly and and just fun quite <laughs> Is that quite? Is that my rant? So I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> All things new and exciting. What a pleasure it's been getting to know Armenia and its wines a bit more. Um, all details, including the wines, are on the show notes. Thanks to Amy and Juliana, mm. and thanks to you for listening. Until next time, cheers. Mm.